I want to say thank you to all of my Patreon supporters who help support the channel. Also, I want to say thank you to my Twitch subscribers. Help the channel out by donating or go to Patreon.com. Thank you. All right, so if you haven't done so and you're a video game player, you're somebody who does video games, or you call yourself maybe a gamer TM, um, there was a game that came out recently. And um, it was a culmination of, what, 15 years of gaming? God, has it been 15 years of gaming? Maybe close to it. It was a game called God of War Ragnarok that came out. And it tells the continuing story of Kratos. As a matter of fact, after I finish streaming here, I'm going to probably play some more God of War Ragnarok today. But what... Outside of all the acclaim and all of the, the accolades that the game is getting, some people are still taking a wrong message from it and what Santa Monica is actually, Studios is actually trying to do and using the life of Kratos, our titular, titular god of war and actual practicer of stoicism, they're taking the wrong lessons from it. So I will say I got halfway through this video and I was like, you know what? I just want to respond to it. So let's let's go about what um, this individual has learned from Kratos. God of War. Be better. Let's what go. What kind oh. of stuff are they giving them? Let's go. With God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok, Santa Monica Studios managed to create two of the highest praised video games ever made. Not just that, but they also reinvented the main protagonist Kratos, who made the transition from a brutal Spartan warrior to a single father who still hasn't lost his brutality. The, the thing about it is, they didn't change much. He is still very brutal. He, I played the old games. I think it was two of the old games that I didn't play. And that was Ghost of Sparta and Ascension. Don't ask me to play Ascension. Um, but I played Chains of Olympus 1, 2, and 3. I actually even played um, God of War 3 on a channel recently. But let's go. Are you done having your tantrum? You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. The story about him, his son Atreus, and all the other great side characters like Brock, Sindri, Mimir, and Freya. Oh, um, spoilers if you haven't played the game yet. Spoilers. Contains countless of memorable moments. And speaking of Atreus, am I the only one who thinks that his theme as Sun's Path is an undeniable 10 out of 10? Oh yeah, the Sun's Path is actually really good. Uh, but let's go. In my opinion, there are a lot of valuable lessons that we as the player can learn, especially when looking at the main protagonist Kratos. So kings and queens, let's get started. Okay, let's go. A very Okay, and I don't want to tear apart this guy's video because he's obviously played a lot of effort and for a channel that has he has about six hundred subscribers, so he he put in a lot of effort for this. So let's let's go. Very short recap in case you've forgotten or you're new to the franchise. In the first game, he and his son Atreus spread the ashes of Fae, Kratos' wife and Atreus' mother from the highest mountain of the Nine Realms, which was her last wish. Her intention was that they would bond throughout the journey and also to reveal that Atreus is the god of mischief Loki, which then also exactly happened as planned. You know what? One thing that I fucking hate is nobody mentioned that... Alright. I get it. The most thing that people say is Loki is the god of mischief. Um, He's also the god of heroic acts like quite literally loki is a god of mischief but he's also the god of heroic acts 
Uh, okay, let's go. Let's go. And in the second game, they have to fight the Allfather Odin as Ragnarok approaches, and this time their relationship has drastically improved compared to 2018. Nevertheless, they're separated for quite some time, but in the end they win. Kratos is now seen as a good god instead of a monster, and Atreus goes on his own adventures now. Loki will go. Atreus remains. See it, chump. Moments of crisis. Panic does nothing. Harness it. Number one, Stoicism. Now, this is one of the reasons why I actually had to look at this video. And I, what a lot of these modern interpretations, and I say modern because they don't understand Stoicism. They have this belief that Stoicism means that you don't feel anything. So you just are just almost statuesque in your opinion. No, Stoicism literally means go through in spite of the pain. You still feel this pain. Marcus Aquila, um, Aquilius uh, um, Aquinas, uh, I forgot what the, Marcus Aquilius Seneca. One of his favorite saying is that, uh, all right, no, hey, good night, good night. What, one of his favorite saying is like, when his wife and his kids were coming, after he had to um, unalive himself, one of his favorite statements was, why weep over parts of life? When the whole thing deserves tears. It was, stoicism is not something that you just think to say like, oh, I'm not feeling anything. No, it is, ironically, it's to, it, it is to grieve deeply because you love fully. But let's go. Not many other fictional characters embody the Stoic philosophy better than Kratos. For those who are unfamiliar with the concept, it came from the homies Aurelius and the boys. Basically, a Stoic is someone who fulfills his responsibilities with core values like self-control, restraint, discipline, emotional stability, and virtue. Meme aside, it's basically a calm and reasonable person. No, it's not. It is somebody who actually feels. The Greeks were known for being people who filled and fulfill their roles besides how much they felt. It is clearly, clearly an exercise of, yes, you're controlling your emotions, but you still have those. But let's continue. First things first, Kratos is really good at controlling his emotions. Doesn't matter how threatening and terrifying the enemy is. He's <laughs> no, he's not. Poseidon says he's not. Hades says he's not. Helio says he's not good at controlling his emotions. Motherfucking Hermes says he's not. Hera says he's not good at controlling his emotions. All right, let's go. He stays calm and figures out how to beat him without freaking out. He doesn't let fear take control over him, as he says in the probably most badass sentence I've ever heard. Death can have me when it earns me. Also, when... That's... That's... Oh my God, you missed the whole phrase of that. He was not saying that he's not afraid of death. He, he was just saying, Death, come at me, dog. I'm ready. That's what he was saying. He was literally, he spent three years preparing his son for when he was time to die. All right, let's go. When being accused of being a coward, he stays collected and doesn't let his ego and pride get in the way of solving the situation peacefully. He That's why he took some swings on somebody. Like, no, like, you are missing the whole point of the game. Oh, my God. Oh my god. 
Kratos got angry. He was actually anxious. At the end of this fight, he was anxious. He literally spoke to Frey. He was like, I can't do it. I'm not ready. But I have to go. That was desperation. But he said, I have to do this. And literally, his whole phrase, the reason why the prophecy changed is because he, his son, who he has been told, don't, don't understand their feelings, close your heart. He was like, no, fucking feelings. And throughout the whole game of Ragnarok, and I know because I'm playing it again, he was dealing with the fact that he's dealing with PTSD. Kratos is a walking case of PTSD. But let's continue. He only fights back Baldur after several warnings and after he punched him three times and therefore endangered Atreus's and his safety. With Atreus, we see that acting out of emotions like rage, grief, and arrogance almost always got him into trouble. How no. Oh. Acting without a plan got him into trouble. But being empathetic, literally, Atreus, Atreus's power is fucking empathy. That's how he can tell what the animals feels. That's why he can tell. He is literally a walking empathy. All right, let's go. However, many people say being stoic is a bad way to live and we should all express our feelings all the time. We actually see what having literally no feelings does to Baldur. He hates his life and wants to kill his mother Freya for the spell that made him numb to any feelings whatsoever. But of course, Kratos is not 100% emotionless. The most obvious one is his love towards his son Atreus. I don't think I have to go over specific moments. You can basically take any scene from... Yes, because... I don't think you understand the emotions that he's showing. All right, let's go. The two games and you see how much he cares for him. He's not emotionally numb. However, he tries his best to stay focused. Not only in these games, but Pandora and God of War 3. The fact that he is so fucking broken after Ghost of Spartan. That he was just, he was just angry. Because he was hurt. I, I, oh. The fact is, you are introduced to a character. The gods of Olympus have abandoned me. And at that, Kratos threw himself off the tallest peak in Greece. Those were the opening lines of the first game. Alright, let's go. Focus on the goal so that he's like a rock that others can rely on, especially during hard and brutal times. One of us must remain focused. He even uses his emotions to his advantage with his Spartan Rage, for example. But don't get me wrong, if I'm not mistaken, he only smiles three times throughout the entire two games, and this is the only thing that comes even close to him laughing. <laughs> Another important aspect is honesty. Every time Kratos talks, he cuts right to the chase. Is it always moral to kill something that's trying to kill you? Yeah. He wasn't honest. He wasn't honest that was the central conflict in both games atreus nearly died because kratos wasn't honest the only thing he said was gods are bad you should hate gods and atreus because he's empathetic picked that shit up and his own powers were killing him because he felt his father's hatred for gods not just for the Aesir, but all gods. That included himself. You're missing it, dog. Okay, let's go. Yes. 
While some people say his reconciliation with Freya felt rushed, I actually really liked it. He doesn't try to justify his actions and talk himself out of it. First, he opens up about his past losses. Then he openly explains his regrets that he took the choice away from her, but not that he saved a close friend. I do not regret saving your life. And never will. He doesn't try to dodge the consequences, but faces Freya with brutal and direct honesty, which leads to her forgiving him. And we also see what the consequences of dishonesty can look like. Kratos hiding his real identity of being a god in the first game is the reason for a lot of conflict between him and the trios. Also, the reason for the conflict in the second game as well. Kratos knew he saw the prophecy of his ass dead. He knew. He saw that shit. He literally saw that shit. And instead of saying that, hey, you know what? This is happening. I'm concerned for you. He pushed Atreus to train harder. When he saw fucking Fenrir dying, he, he saw this as, oh shit, so, something else died in my son's arms. Let me push him to go train. Instead of being honest and trusting each other with what's going on and what they were actually feeling, they were like, oh, no, we got to keep this from him. We got to keep secrets. We got to keep secrets. And it... The reason why, and I know, I know everybody was clamoring for that shit. The reason why in Ragnarok, where the most opportune time, and yes, yes, a lot of people would have been like, yeah, Kratos is the kid that did that shit. When Atreus was like, he's being a complete asshole, a lot of people missed the reason why Kratos went from being extremely pissed to like, yeah, he called me out. It's because Atreus called him out on this bullshit about Faye keeping secrets, Kratos keeping secrets. So why shouldn't Atreus keep secrets? He learned it from you. I learned it from you, Dad. That's why Kratos didn't whoop his ass. Because Kratos was looking at the fact that, yeah, he was keeping secrets. But let's continue. Also in Ragnarok, when the Trios tries to hide what he's doing all the time, it makes Kratos deeply distrust him. And when he confronts him, it leads to this. The truth is you're being a complete asshole. This is, this is what I'm talking about. Play the rest of the clip. Play the rest of the clip. Say that you're fine. However hard and uncomfortable it might be. And he doesn't play the rest of the clip. That's why. This is one of the, like, okay, let's go. Being straight, direct, and honest about things is the best way to interact with others, in my opinion. Also, according to Jordan Peterson, Kratos would break Jordan Peterson in half. He would look at his ass and was like, you don't know what stoicism is. And break his ass in half. But let's go. The most important rule one could follow to improve one's life is Tell the truth or at least don't lie I think the most important rule that Jordan Peterson should follow is Don't do drugs Alright, let's go Being stoic also means not succumbing to your impulses Just look at this body out of marble This is one example He's a god, damn it. He, like, literally, and he says that his body was a product of the Akoji. Which would effectively count as child soldiers in torture. 
And if he, if Kratos was all for it, the teaching his son how to be a Spartan, he would have done it. But let's go. Example of accepting your emotions, but not letting them dictate your actions. Do you think when Kratos craves sugar or any kind of fast food, he would get weak? No, he tells himself, I do not need a snack. And moves on. You're, you're taking that out of cut. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, you're right. Kratos has self-control. Ask Hephaestus how much self-control that Kratos has. I'm just saying, like, I mean, like, ask Gaia how many, how much self-control does Kratos has. Ask Athena. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. But let's get, let's go. On even when it's olives. He has his purpose in mind, which is keeping Atreus safe. And in order to achieve this, he needs to be as strong as possible. So engaging in behaviors that would interfere with this goal are avoided at all costs. However, Stoics do not demonize pleasure itself, but only if it interferes with your duty and purpose is all. Is he gonna Is he gonna have a a a, a circle mini game over Freya's head? I'm sorry. I'm, okay, let's go. Already mentioned. In the real world, we basically have unlimited amounts of pleasure around us all the time. No, we don't. No, the fuck we. D if you are living in a world where you have unlimited amount of pleasure around you, I want your life. I, I, okay. All right, let's go. Whether it's cheap junk food, social media, dirty videos, or binge watching TV shows. He doesn't get that the Greeks, like, invented, like, poor. Of course, I'm not talking about consumption in moderation, but overindulging in those activities. But no one says it is easy. When Kratos has visions of his wife in the light of Alfheim, he gets weak, and as a consequence, Atreus has to fight a lot of enemies all by himself. However, when they revisit that that's not what what happened. Oh god, that's not what happened. Oh god, that's alright, alright. I, it's just like I feel like a lot of this video clip is just me saying that's not what has happened. You misunderstand. You taking things out of conflict. Like Kratos is still grieving, dog. That is something that's still grieving. And if and like I'm just gonna say it right now. If Kratos was a true stoic, he wouldn't care that Atreus dies before him because one of the true stoic st statements is no parent has a child. Without the uh, without knowing that they may bury their child before them, that that's a stoic statement. I may have like paraphrased a little bit, but that's a stoic statement. But hurry, let's go. Visit this place in Ragnarok. He's seemingly very tempted to go there again, even though he knows that it is only in his head. Stoicism will also help a lot with the next point. Do what is necessary, not because it is written. Number two, destiny. Another important aspect of the story are prophecies, fate, and destiny. The character. They literally said there's no such thing as fucking destiny. They literally said there's no such thing as destiny. The fucking Norn says like, oh no, <laughs> there's no destiny. Y'all are just predictable. Literally, the Norn said that. They come out and says like, eh, no, y'all just predictable. That is literally part of the story. Why can't you understand that? Uh, all right, let's go. 
das seemingly have no control over their lives and let paintings on walls dictate them how their life is going to end up without any chance of own choice. Some examples are Angry Boulder, who thought that giving Atreus the giant stones was the purpose of her life, or Atreus, who was afraid that he would betray his father and join the enemy Odin, or Kratos, who's always told that he cannot change and will always be the old Spartan monster. And yes, while he cannot escape his past and undo it, he can change himself and his future actions. But I am your monster no longer. The same goes for character traits. Kratos identifies himself as a monster, however, in the end of the second game, we see that he's seen as a good god that brings peace now. He took control over his actions and actively chose to be better. To be honest, I almost not, not the Andrew Tate nothing about Andrew Tate, however, I'm aware that he's very controversial. I've recently seen an interview with Pierce Morgan and him where he said that you don't know anything about him, but you know he's controversial. <sighs> All right, let's go. Depression isn't real, however, feeling depressed is stop accepting the identity of a clinical. He, he does know that there that depression is not just caused by behavior but chemical imbalances in your brain oh god I, okay okay the person who doesn't study brain chemistry is telling people who spend their lives about studying brain chemistry that they're they're that they're what they're just lying to people all right, let's go. Depressed person. I'm no psychologist, so I have no idea whether that's good. You're not a psychologist, so stay the fuck in your lane about this. Especially when there are so many people that are suffering from depression that are hurting themselves or actually causing hurt to people around them by their behavior and actions. And oh yeah, Jordan Peterson, literally somebody who was depressed, who says he was depressed. So much so that he took drugs. But Mr. Clean Up Your Room, it, it was okay for him because reasons. True or not, but this is exactly what I mean. Sometimes you hear people saying, no, I'm too shy, I cannot talk to her. However, this just serves as an excuse to not face their fears. By referring to themselves as a shy person and accepting this as a fact, they give away their control over their actions. Just like the prophecies, it is written in stone and nobody can change it. However, the... A plot device in a video game because the plot device is a plot device that they literally fought against it, it because of who you are it's it, it's the same because reasons your analogies are spot on the guy your analogies are spot on Let, let's go actual problem is most likely a lack of confidence or social anxiety and you can change these that's that's still called being shy Oh my god, that's still called being shy, you dumb fuck. Oh my god, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be that. I'm not trying to be that. Okay, okay. Two things fairly quickly. Another great example would be Walter Hartwell White slash Eisenberg. And before some of you start typing that he's an egotistical maniac, I refer to his transition in the first or maybe the first two seasons. In the beginning, he was portrayed as a hardworking, loving man, but also as a pushover. He's You know, I think he had brain cancer. You know... The, the brain that can affect your behavior or identity. Because I've never watched Breaking Bad. I just, I admit there are some things that I don't watch. Because if it's popular to hit a wide range of people, sometimes I, I take that as a way of saying that I may not like it. Also see the fact that I haven't watched, I watched one episode of Game of Thrones. But again, uh, uh fucking plot device all right let's go
overqualified for his job, he's emasculated by basically everybody around him, and he's in a passionless marriage. However, after his cancer diagnosis, his entire attitude changes, and he starts to stand up for himself and his family. He's respected, makes tons of money, and the passion in his marriage is back again. So maybe because it was a plot device to say that he has nothing to lose, so he should just act and do whatever he wants in a hedonistic fashion. I I don't I don't know it. That's what it seems like to me. Well, let's continue. So no matter what we think of ourselves, we can always change and have full control over our actions. So we shouldn't let anybody tell us what to do and what we are because we're the only ones who decide what we become. Path, one I had never imagined. He says that when he was given a picture of what he can actually become because of what somebody says. Oh. The irony is lost on this one. Number three, monster. Despite being loving and caring towards his family and friends, Kratos also has a monster inside of him. In this regard, he's quite similar to Arthur Morgan and Joel Miller. I also made a video about him. On the one hand, there's the Arthur who loves his crew or family if you want so. And on the other hand, there's the Arthur who violently takes what he and his crew need for surviving in a good life. Just get out of here. Okay, so we have to just say this. Nobody thinks that they're bad, the bad guy of their story. There are people who believe that they're doing good. And yes, there are some people who have gleaned into... Yeah, I'm a monster. But that's about a matter of perspective. No one really goes around and says, or our, our uniforms are black and we have skulls on our uniforms. Are, are we the baddies? Nobody really goes around and says that. And the reason why Kratos is saying that because he's dealing with PTSD and he destroyed the whole pantheon and a whole world like yeah he would think that he's a monster because he kind of killed his family and then every other member of his family he killed including his mother his daughter and his wife we know about and even he didn't kill demos but goddamn he was the reason why demos got taken got taken away but let's go Joel is also very soft and caring towards his two daughters, Sarah and Ellie, but just like Arthur, he's like an animal when it comes to protecting them and providing for them. The same goes- Didn't he just say that, like, didn't Joel say that because of the choices that he made, he deserves a violent death? I, I, I could have sworn that was one of the quotes that Joel- Alright, let's go. For Kratos, if necessary, he can take on every enemy, no matter the size or strength. Masculinity is often being demonized these days, and we often hear something like- It's okay to be weak. I've made this example- that, That's not- Masculinity is not being demonized. If you think <clears throat> exerting dominance over somebody is being demonized, yes, because you don't have the right to fucking dominate somebody else. But that's not masculinity. That's dominance. All right, let's go. Let's go. Example in the Joel video, but again, just imagine something horrible like a school shooting or something more common like a group of teenagers bullying a helpless kid. I highly doubt that those weak men and soy boys would be able to do something. Instead, we had a hundred and fucking seventy fucking cops who claim to be like the motherfucking the motherfucker. They claim to be them, and they did shit all while kids were being murdered in a school. What? Most of all the resource officers that are in school shootings, they run the fuck away because so many cops are told it's more important that you return home. It's rather it's better for you to be judged by 12 than carried by six. Some cops are the most cowardice pieces of shit there are. I I don't know. Cops that 
take six men to beat up one guy. Now that's masculine because they 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 showing a business, right? Oh my god. Okay, let's go. They would turn to someone like Kratos, Arthur, or Joel, just like Professor Jordan Peterson suggests. You should be a monster, and then you should learn how to control it. Hey, hey, Jordan, Jordan, you should take drugs, but not become addicted. So, so much so that you have to be put medically induced coma in order to kick the habit. Being able to defend yourself and your loved ones is a core aspect of being a man, according to Stefan Arnios. Hard times create strong men. In this, yes, because we know that that's not a, at all. A motherfucking platitude that means bullshit. Spooky talks about what it means to be a man and why the public perception of masculinity is so negative. Of course, we luckily almost never face any life-threatening events these days, but we never know when they'll... You motherfucking get in a car. I, I mean, like, what, is you, what do you want to do? Become a paleoconservative where we get rid of society and... Oh, hey... Time for that hunter gathering shit again. Fuck out of here. Let's go. It'll come again. You've probably already heard the saying. Rather be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in war. But I. Wait. 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 Can I introduce you to motherfucking Tamarin? Uh, there, there, there was a there was a Tamarin, um, a Tamarin, and um, he he was a gardener. But there are times where gardeners become butchers in war and if you don't know who, who, who tamarin was um he was adopted by um a clan with the surname khan and yes genghis khan don't fucking this way people who are farmers and gardeners uh because when you have shit to lose you do motherfucking stand up but people like this wouldn't know anything because they've never stood up. They have this whole idea of like, yeah, I'm the tough alpha and fucking omega and all this other good shit. And they will fall at the first sign of trouble. As a matter of fact, they're falling now because you you said the toxic masculinity and it hurts my feelings. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go. Am your monster no longer. Number four, mistakes. Another very interesting aspect is how they deal with mistakes. One of Peterson's 12 rules for life says, Don't bother children when they're skateboarding. It basically points out that exposing ourselves to dangerous situations is actually helpful for our development. No, no. What he just said was just bullshit. Uh, okay. Uh, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Peter, Peter, where you at? Where you at? Done. Like, Media literacy is a thing, and not just like knowing how to read news, but knowing how to understand stories. Not being locked into this whole thing about just like, oh no, I I, I need to understand it this way because I'm coming in with my preconceived notions. And I get it, we have the death of the author and everything like that. But sometimes motherfuckers are just like, oh, we need to go to paleo paleoconservatism in order to prove how much of a man you are. Motherfucker, you are making videos on YouTube. You don't want to go back to that time frame. Shit, I don't want to go back to that time frame. But anyway, it goes, guys. Like, share, and subscribe. Please help out the channel. We are trying to hit 1,000 subscribers by June 1st. We are 160 away. Please share the video. Like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment. And um, we're going to cut this video segment here.
myself a power 